lot of clapping for Presbyterians. So. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, music team. Thank you for drawing us to the, the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, our passage in this Advent series will be verses 26 through 38, a little more detail on the Advent reading we had this morning. I just want to make mention, because we'll get in trouble if we don't, there's a little card in your chair back. If you'd like to order a Christmas poinsettia to honor someone uh, as we celebrate the Christmas season, you're welcome to do that. Luke chapter 1, let's look and see what this gospel has to say about the Christmas story, the Advent season, the Incarnation. This is God's holy word to us this morning. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Father, give us the the mindset that the Holy Spirit gave Mary. Let it be to us according to your word. Help us to believe these truths. Apply these truths. Know these truths. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I love good writing. I love reading books and articles that are are, are well written. I love stories that are so well constructed that the author does such a a meticulous job of, of kind of drawing you into the story where you feel like you were there as you're you're reading it. This is why I love the the book of Luke. Luke does a a wonderful job of kind of drawing us into the story, the the gospel story, the the, the life, the death, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And this is why at Christmas time we so often turn to Luke chapters 1 and 2 to hear that old, old, good story. The Christmas story. Because Luke pays a ton of attention to detail. It's, it's very well written. Luke takes us right into the story. We want to hear it. We, we almost see what's going on. Luke, the writer of this gospel, he was a companion of Jesus' disciples, his apostles. Uh, He was a a doctor. He had some medical training. But he was also a a serious historian. He he wanted to research and know the things surrounding the events of the Lord Jesus Christ. He He was a good friend to many of his brothers and sisters in Christ. He was a a faithful teacher. We know these things because at the very beginning of Luke's gospel, I don't know if you've ever paid attention to those first few verses, but we have this book in the Bible all because Luke decided, my friend Theophilus, he needs to know more about these things. And so I'm going to write a 20-something chapter letter to him to explain about Christ and the very good beginning of the gospel. And we can observe that in his writing, in the account, he gives a great detailed account of the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus. And he's doing this for his friend, Theophilus. And in this story, Luke is going to give us some great detail, some some eyewitness accounts that go on with the Christmas story. Many scholars believe that he actually spent a lot of time with Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, interviewing her, writing his, his story, paying a lot of attention to detail, because it almost seems like we have her eyewitness accounts of the amazing events surrounding the birth of her son. And there are little clues given to us in Luke's gospel that help us believe this. One of my favorites, and I I say this every Christmas, but I'm going to keep saying it every Christmas. In Luke chapter 2, verse 19, we read that Mary's response to this amazing announcement of the Christmas story, when the shepherds came running to her out of breath and said, You won't believe what we saw out in the field. Angels broke forth from heaven and announced to us the birth of your Son. We're here to praise Christ the Lord. And what was Mary's response to this? Luke writes, Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. She was blown away by the Christmas story. These accounts of the Christmas story, they truly are amazing. And here in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, we can be amazed here more at the beginning of the Christmas story. I agree with the pastor, J.C. Ryle. He says this about these verses. We have in these verses the announcement of the most marvelous event that ever happened in the world. The incarnation and birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is a passage which we should always read with mingled wonder, love, 
and praise. That's what these verses do. They are drawing us into wonder and love and praise. And so as we peer into this story, let us note once again our Advent theme. What we built upon from last week, that the Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich beyond anything we could ever comprehend, upon anything we could ever imagine, He became poor. He was born in poverty. He became a man. So that through His poverty, we might become rich really is a miracle. And so in the Gospel of Luke, in this passage, we're going to learn about three miracles of Christmas. Three miracles we're going to focus on in this passage. The miracle of the incarnation, the miracle of the virgin birth, and the miracle of belief. And so let's look at these three things. The first is the miracle of the incarnation. There's so much that goes on in this story. There's so much happening here. We could not comment on all of it. But the most staggering is the announcement that came to Mary by the angel Gabriel. And that announcement was, Mary, you're going to have a son. And he's going to be the son of God. You know, as parents, we all want to think that our children are going to be special, right? You know, we, we pray for them at the earliest age that they would do great things in the world and great things for the kingdom of God. But, Mary, you're going to have the Son of God. You know, that's, that's it. Mary wins. No more competing in the parenting world. Her child is the best. What this means is that by the incarnation and the birth of Jesus, that, that God's love had come down. God's love was not something that was just up there in heaven. It was something that had truly come down to earth because God became man in the flesh. Is that not amazing? Is that not wonderful? Is that not too good to be true? God became man. Christmas is, in fact, a miraculous event. We get to see miraculous things. And one of those miraculous things is we see the Trinity at work in Christmas. Christmas is a Trinitarian event. The eternal covenant of redemption, where God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, where they covenanted together to redeem the elect. It was a, this, this covenant... This promise, this great love, it was about to shine forth in human history with the birth of Jesus Christ. The eternal, the infinite, the holy, the timeless God. He was about to intervene in an amazing way. The divine was about to become human. No one expected this. No one was looking for this. This was far beyond anything the Jews had imagined. They somehow missed the prophecies of Isaiah. This is one of the reasons why Jesus' birth was so hard to believe. So hard to believe, even from the very beginning. 
Because God took the, the lowly things of this world to shine forth His wisdom. Jesus was not born in a palace. He was not born to a, to a, to a stately family. He appeared to a, a lowly and humble man and woman, young man and woman. He appeared to, to shepherds, you know, farmers out in a field. He came in the most unexpected way. And Mary was told that Jesus would be called the Son of the Most High. Jesus had this title, Son of the Most High, even before He was born. But now the angel is making this reality to, known to Mary that He is going to be born and He is going to be on earth, the Son of the Most High, very God of very God, light of light equal to God the Father in all things because He was and is for all eternity the Son of God. But now, He has been born. Now He would be revealed in the flesh. He would come to us and be known to the church. And so we would be tasked with worshiping Him, adoring Him, praising Him, forever and ever. The incarnation, it was the fulfillment of God's wonderful promise to David that on his throne would be one who would reign forever and ever. Jesus would come and have that everlasting kingdom, a kingdom that will never fail or pass away. Because kingdoms come and go, don't they? Nations come and go. Think of your history books. I bet many of you children are learning about the great empires of Rome and of Babylon and of mighty Egypt. Where have they gone? Where are they now? None of them have been restored to their former glory. Even America is not guaranteed to be here forever. It probably, too, will fade away. But Jesus' kingdom will never fade away. It is an everlasting kingdom. It will last forever and ever. And Jesus shall reign forever and ever. The incarnation was and is a miracle. It was the God-ordained miracle that would secure the salvation of God's people and set up Jesus' kingdom forever and ever. And so that's why we sing, Glory to the newborn King, God and sinners reconciled. The incarnation truly is a miracle. But there's another miracle that takes place here. And that's the miracle of the virgin birth. I mean, have you ever considered how crazy sounding this is? How wonderful it is that it's a miracle that a virgin would give birth to a child. And so that's what makes the incarnation a great mystery to us. So many questions come to mind when we think about these things. I mean, how is a virgin birth even possible? How can a woman have a baby when she's not even married? 
how can I be asked to believe something so unscientific? Surely it's not possible. This is where Christianity breaks in and kind of destroys our categories. Christianity challenges our understanding and our intellect because it doesn't conform to the limits of human knowledge. It doesn't meet all the criteria of the scientific method or the five senses. We can't taste it, see it, touch it, smell it. And this is why, again, J.C. Ryle says we must remember that Christianity... This worship of the Son of God, it it is a religion that comes down from heaven. It is is a truth that that comes down to us, that makes itself known to us. It's, It's not a truth that was created by mankind. And so in a heavenly, God ordained religion, there must be mysteries. There must be mysteries. And one of these great mysteries is the incarnation, the virgin birth. How can this be? I mean, a virgin birth is not possible. It's just not. And even Mary, even Mary, the mother of Jesus, was asking these questions when an angel from God was telling her What was going to happen? And what did she say? How can this be? You crazy angel. (laughs) How can I give birth? Because of course a virgin birth is not possible. But. God is in the business of doing the impossible, is he not? He's in the business of kind of breaking our categories and our understandings. The truth of God is that He can do the impossible. And this truth that God can do the impossible, it's not only true with the virgin birth, it's true with everything. God can do impossible things in your life. Maybe you're thinking... There's no way that God can forgive me of my sin. It's impossible. My sin is way too sinful. It's too evil. It's too messy. It's, it's too dirty. It's, it's too bad to be forgiven. But with God, all things are possible. Jesus' death on the cross paid for all our sin. Not just some of it. All of it. Even the worst of it. Even the things that seem unforgivable. God is in the business of doing the impossible. Maybe you're thinking that your pain is too much. That the suffering that you've gone through is just too much to deal with. There's no way that God can help you. In your suffering. But yet Jesus suffered. He experienced pain. And agony. And abandonment. He went through the worst of it. 
so we can say for sure that He cares about your suffering. Perhaps there's been a, a scandal in your life. Or a scandal in the life of somebody that you know. Maybe this sociably unacceptable thing has happened to you and there, there's no way that God can restore the, the trust that has been broken with your family and with your friends and with your co-workers. But yet God is into doing the impossible. Think, think about the scandalous events surrounding the Christmas story. The The socially awkward things happening between Joseph and Mary and their marriage arrangement. Think about what they had to endure. God chose to even use them in the midst of what appeared to be a scandal. And Mary is called the highly favored one of God. God is into doing the impossible. Perhaps you think you're thinking that you've wasted too much time, that you've spent too much of, of uh, wasting time in your life to have the relationship with God that you know that you need. It's not too late to go to Jesus. It's not. It's not too late to peer into the Christmas story and marvel at what God has done. My friends, we need to know this very serious and very important truth. With God, nothing, nothing is impossible. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Christmas is not going to mean very much to you unless you believe that God can do and will do the impossible. These are the miracles that God is up to and the maybe the greatest miracle that we see in this passage is the miracle of belief. Look at verse 38. Mary's faith, it's worth our reflection. Her response to the things that the angel Gabriel was telling us is truly amazing. Look at what she said. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What a great faith do we observe here from Mary. Let it be to me according to your word. What the Lord has said, what, what God has willed, let it happen. And I pray that we would be able to express the same faith. Being willing to do anything. Being, being willing to say anything. And, and, and being willing to believe anything. According to God and His leading and His word. May we have this faith. Because a big part of Christmas is this question. Do you believe these miracles? Do you believe these miracles? E even more, do you believe the good news concerning this child who was born to the Virgin Mary? 
the miracle of this virgin birth, it, it points to an, another miracle that happens in us when we believe. The Christmas miracle is, in a sense, an illustration of a miracle that happens every time someone becomes a Christian. Every time someone has faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this, a, a miracle occurs. When Mary heard the wonderful news that she would bear a child, she asked, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. I love how James Montgomery Boyce challenges us to consider this in another way. He says, For us, we may ask, how could I possibly become a Christian since I am a sinner? And there's no good in me. The answer is the same that was given to Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. He will give you a divine rebirth. Because that's the Christmas miracle that God is in the business of doing. This is why we sing that hymn, O little town of Bethlehem, when we sing in the third verse, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray, cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. That is the Christmas miracle. We're asking for a rebirth. We're asking for the Holy Spirit, the Most High, to come upon us and change our hearts. And so I'll ask you, has the miracle of the rebirth happened to you? You've been born again. I pray that you will look into the Christmas message and ask the Holy Child of Bethlehem to cast out your sin and enter into your heart. Do you believe these miracles? It doesn't mean that you have to fully understand them. Because in many ways, they're beyond our comprehension. By definition, a miracle is unexplainable. But we have to believe, we have to affirm that without these miracles, there would be no Christianity. Without these miracles, there would be no Christmas. There would be no salvation. There would be no hope. Christmas is not just a nostalgic story of the birth of a special boy named Jesus. It's the beginning of the final act of the grand story of redemption that God has been writing since the beginning of the world. This is this, this story that Luke wants to draw us into. This is... The point is this, Christmas must be, it must be something personal for you. It must be something that captures your attention. Do you believe that a Savior has been born? Do you believe that the Son of God has come? Do you believe that you need a Savior? Will you put your trust in this Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God? This miracle 
of the rebirth that happens often very, very quietly. This announcement came to Mary through the angel Gabriel, not with the trumpets of heaven, but by a single angel that appeared to her, who told her these things. And that quiet little miracle, I mean, it can happen in your heart. It can happen in the hearts of others when we repent of our sin and believe in Jesus. And it will probably happen very quietly. You will probably wake up one day and go, my heart has been changed. I don't know how it happened. But that good news, that Christmas good news, it it changed me. And it can change others. And so let's not forget that at Christmas. May the miracles of Christmas never get old. May they cause us to sing like never before. Oh, come let us adore Him. Christ, the Lord, has come. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Oh, holy child of Bethlehem, descend on us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in and be born in us today. Lord, help us not to grow weary and tired and and too familiar with these wonderful miracles of Christmas. Lord, let them change us. Let them renew us. Let them cause us to break forth in joyous song. We pray in Jesus' name.